Hello? Hey, Rich, it's Larson. You got a minute? Sure, Larson. What's up? Hello, and welcome to the Got a Minute podcast. Uh, this is Larson Hicks, and I'm here with uh, my co conspirator, uh, Pastor Rich Lusk, down in Birmingham. What's up, Rich? How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Larson. Good to see you. It's been a minute. We've we t- took a little break here while Rich was out gallivanting across the country and uh, playing put, playing bishop or something. I don't know what you were doing. You were out there speaking at conferences and wheeling and dealing, just typical Rich Lust stuff. Yeah, it was good. I went to uh, Austin, Texas and did a conference there with uh, Michael Foster on dating and marriage. He did the dating part. Uh, I did the marriage part. Uh, the uh, I guess the title of the conference was uh, Find a Spouse and Build a House. So he did the Find a Spouse part. I did the Build a House part. And I uh, had a great time in Austin, uh, just seeing old friends and seeing Garrett Craw and seeing what they're doing with that church plant there. And then I went up to uh, Seattle and uh, did a conference for Dave Hatcher's church, uh, the Series C church there in Seattle. And that was great. Spoke on the Psalms there. So that went really well. Came back just in time to go to our Presbyterian meeting in Nashville. So, uh, but Larson, I'm glad to be back with you. It's good to it's good it's good to see you again. Um, our, our adoring fans have been chomping at the bit uh, for another episode. So I've had to satiate them with a bunch of just random videos that I've posted on my own channel just to try to just to try to keep the keep the hordes the teeming hordes at bay. I mean, there's. There's dozens of well, I'm excited about today's podcast. We've been talking about having uh, Pastor Andrew Isker on uh, for a minute here. And Andrew uh, is a pastor of Fourth uh, Street. Uh, what, what What's the name of the church? Fourth Street. Street. I almost said yeah. Presbyterian. I was like, wait a second. Fourth Street Evangelical Church is the name. That's right. Okay. Fourth Street Evangelical. They're uh, formerly Wesleyan, currently non-denom, uh, independent church. And uh, and Andrew and I knew each other back when you were in Moscow, Idaho, uh, doing seminary, uh, among other things. And uh, I think we played a little bit of rugby together, at least pumpkin yeah, rugby. Yeah. I don't know. Did you play yeah. with, with, with St. Andy's at all? No, I, I didn't. Uh, but I, I mean... I'll... I think I went to a few practices that all I had time for, but uh, yeah, which was fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Well, it's good to see you, man. Um, and and you also have a twi- a pretty popular Twitter channel, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, is it Eighth Century Wood Chipper? Yeah. Is yeah. that the name at, of your uh, Twitter at handle? At Boniface Option is the handle. Yeah. At Boniface Option. Okay, so you're in it. Did, I haven't outed you. That's like public knowledge. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sweet. I've uh, been following you there for a while. A lot of a lot of fun yeah, stuff. Great enjoy, stuff yeah, great sure. Enjoy what you're doing there. What what Andrew? Anything else that we should mention that you're up to these days? Obviously, we're here to. We brought you on because we want to talk about your book uh, that you and and uh, Andrew Torba um, wrote on uh, Christian nationalism. But anything else you've got going on that that, that we should tell folks? Yeah, about? yeah. I'm, I'm finishing um, a book, uh, a second draft. Um, all of my edits for a book with uh, Canon Press, so I have. Uh, oh, yeah, so I have, and that's titled uh, "The Boniface Option." Is is the the title nice. for it, and that should be out at some point. I think you know in early twenty twenty three. You know, this is my it's my first 
Okay. It's my first book that I've done, you know, with a publisher, and so I don't know how long this stuff, you know, takes. Uh, but uh, the longer one, than the one, you think. Yeah, yeah. The one, uh, the one we do with Torba is, uh, you know, he, he and I, we we put that thing together in a month, sent it to Amazon, and boom, there it went. And wow. uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't know. Uh, you know, all the ins and outs and all the you know the tiny little details that matter like okay how do you how do you, on their editing thing how where do you put the margins you know so that it it doesn't push up against the right. spine you know so i saw that rich has the the original you know the og uh, christian nationalism book uh and so he has to he has to like rip the spine yeah one. rip the spine out to <laughs> to read it uh so that's gonna be worth a lot of money someday uh <laughs> yeah that one. yeah, yeah it's kidding. like it's like one of those stamps where like the airplane is upside down accidentally you know or whatever um so yeah anything worth doing that's, is worth doing that's right that's right well i mean and, and the the goal there i mean why we why we were in a you know a rush or a hurry is that it's a yeah. it's it's a hot topic that we wanted to speak on um, as you know right right away. Um, we had we had plenty yeah. of, of stuff that we had to say and wanted to say and they needed to say, and so we got it out there as quick as we could. We didn't we didn't want to you know go through the extensive lengthy editing process that a normal book would take, which would be six okay. to nine months of of going back and forth and back and forth. Well, there wasn't time, you know, for that. Um, I mean, some of it yeah. is, um, you know, revolves around the election, that this was a, a big, you know, election mm. issue that the that the media was making. Some of it was the fact that, uh, you know, Torba's website, Gab, is, you know, being attacked, you know, constantly because of his his support for Doug Mastriano in, in the Pennsylvania gubernatorial race. Um, and so, yeah. so he wanted to defend you know, defend himself, defend his website, but also just defend this vision for uh, Christian politics um, because, you know, Mastriano is is um, is a faithful Christian man and has very strong Christian faith and, and makes, you know, doesn't hide it whatsoever. Um, and so that's one reason why they attack him and why they want to, you know, do anything they can right. to subvert uh, the possibility that he might be the governor of a very important state. Um, and so... Mm. So anyway, we wanted to get it out as quickly as we could. We wanted to be able to um, to get it into the hands of Christians. But part of it too is that you have, um, and we could talk about this more and maybe some more depth uh, later. But you have all of these these uh, Christian, you know, big evangelical leaders um, who constantly decry uh, Christian involvement in politics. They say, "Oh, they're trading the, the kingdom of God right. for." For earthly power, and that's bad, and all these, yeah. all these really um, facile uh, arguments that that don't carry any weight, yeah. but they carry a lot of rhetorical charge that that make people feel sure. really bad. Um, so we wanted to just defend uh, normal, regular, everyday Christian folks that see the things happening in their country, and then they see the Christian leaders that are out there, that including. You know, Many of whom influenced the, how their pastors think about things, um, mm -hmm. saying that no, you you should feel bad and and you're a bad person if you think that you you need to do something politically to stop these these horrible things happening to our country. Uh, that that's bad. Right. That's tr that's exchanging heavenly things for earthly things. That's that's bad. That's Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So that means you just need to let the right. trannies do whatever they want. Um, you know, that's, 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 that's the bottom line. Yeah, totally. 
I think it'd be helpful. Uh, I know Rich and I both have a lot of questions to ask and, and details we want to get into. And there's so much to talk about on this topic. But I think it'd be helpful maybe before we dive into the content. Could you tell us a little bit more about your background and 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 kind of where you grew up and the context you're in? Are you are you uh, are you uh, you know an, an elite uh, kind of you know seminary guy or what's what's your background like? What what where where, where are you writing? Yeah from? yeah. So I um, I am not an elite. I'm not a blue blood. I, I'm not uh, you know the son of a billionaire or even a multi millionaire. Uh, I. My father was a truck driver and a mailman, um, and so yeah, I, I'm just a regular, regular guy uh, from us. From I, I mean, I'm ministering in my my hometown um, of Waseca, Minnesota, and it's where I grew up and and spent my um, you know, spent my childhood. And um, it's a small rural upper Midwestern town, um, and yeah, I <clears throat> I think some of that. Um, you know, some of my, some some of some of the, I don't know, I, I don't know what to call it. it you know, anger or, or or antipathy or, or whatever you you would want to say for for these elite you know figures, um, is because yeah. they really despise places like where I grew up and people like I grew up around. They really hate, yeah. um, you know, just middle America. I guess you, you you could call it. They yeah. they they they're embarrassed by us. They, um, they mm-hmm. they wish we didn't exist. Um, and you can see it. You know, it seeps out everything that they say and <clears throat> and do. And so I, I remember, you know, I've said this a few times to you know a few other people, but I remember, um, yeah, 20, 20, 2015, um, during the you know election season, it was kind of it was kind of a pivotal you know time of change for me, because I remember. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, thinking like I don't really I mean this this Donald Trump guy is really amusing and funny um, and this is right. very entertaining right. to watch but I don't think I could actually like vote for this guy um, right and then right. Kevin Williamson in National Review wrote this column that said because because there were a lot of rural you know uh, Midwestern people you know the, the you know, Pat Buchanan turned middle American radicals he was people working class people that supported Trump and so rest this column entitled uh, the white working class needs to die um, in National Review. Wow. <laughs> I read that and I'm thinking, and I, I look over at my wife and I said, we were, in the next day, we were in Missouri at the time uh, at a church there. And uh, the next day was Super Tuesday, the big, you know, uh, primary day. And that was when Missouri had their primary. And I, we had not intended, we were not even going to vote. And I said to my wife, I'm like, all right, now we're, we're voting for Donald Trump. Um, because like these people, um, yeah. they hate us and I didn't care about, yeah. you know, the man himself. I cared about, you know, making these people bad <laughs> and, and doing the opposite of what they wanted. Um, and so, I mean, right. I think that, that drives some of, you know, how I think is that it, it became very clear in terms of, right. We have, we have actual enemies and you know, we have friends and enemies and, and the, you know, the friend enemy distinction became very clear, um, in a way that yeah. it had never been before. You know, it always been kind of mm-hmm. like, oh, these guys are Republicans and conservatives. They're on our side. Uh, and it's like, no, they are not at all in any, in any way. The, the, the interest they have for us is, is our destruction. Uh, and they just said it. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, yeah so my, my background is, is that, I mean, I grew up uh, here in, in, in Southern Minnesota. I went to, you know, went to college here in Southern Minnesota. I went out to, to Idaho uh, for seminary. 
um, in, in Moscow. And uh, then, you know, served a, a few different churches before I was able to, to come back here and, and uh, minister at, at the church that I grew up in um, as a child. Um, and so it's kind of a long, circuitous route back to, to where I started. And my, you know, my heart has always been for um, the kind of people I was around. You know, if I was from the suburbs or if I was from a big city, you know, I probably would want to be in a place like that. But I, I wanted to be um, in this place uh, because I know these yeah. people and I know that there's it's it's what I'm familiar with. It's what I love. Um, and so yeah. and it's, it's the people yeah. I want to defend. You know, they in many ways are, are sheep without shepherds. Um, I mean, you mm. see that. I'm sure you guys see that um, where you are as well. That I mean, there are so many people that um, that want the right things, but they have no one leading them or pointing them in the, in the right direction at all, and they're just twisting in the wind. Yeah. Um, and so I, I came back yeah. here and I thought, well, it's a tiny town of less than 10,000 people. You know, I'm never going to have a mega church of 10,000 or more, uh, probably. Uh, be really, be really cool if, I, if everyone in town can. Uh, but uh, um, I don't, you know, I don't want that. I want, I want to lead my people and and teach them and and yeah. and. And, and, and pour myself out to, to, you know, minister the gospel in this place. Um, and, and so that's, yeah, that's kind of, you know, my background and what, you know, led to, you know, to writing this book um, and, and all the other things that I do, you know, the things I, I, I write about, tweet about and, and talk about um, is it's, it's all kind of within that, that same vision. That's great, Andrew. Uh, you know, one thing I appreciate about your book is that uh, you can tell that it's written really for, I mean, I, you know, I would just say kind of the ordinary, you know, Christian uh, in America to read. I, it's got some pretty, um, you might say, radical or challenging uh, thoughts, you know, based on what those, you know, what, what kind of your typical American Christian probably thinks about American history and about eschatology and about the church and so forth. But uh, I thought you did a really good job of making what you have to say accessible. I, I, I wanted to ask you this. What do you, you know, you, you, you entitled your book, Christian Nationalism. Um, what's, what's your understanding of the history of that term? Uh, and, you know, and, um, you know, where it comes from and why it's good to use it. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. I mean, that's that's one that I mean, there's there's plenty of consternation just over that phrase and that that yeah. term. Um, a lot of people, you know, are are leery of oh, nationalism. That doesn't that sounds. I don't know if I like that. Um, but uh, and and you know, my my friend uh, Stephen Wolf, he's he's uh, coming out with a book today actually the, today that is is being released. Um, and he gives, I think, a really good definition of, of nationalism in that that's prob that probably departs a little bit from the more typical understanding. But I, I think I would probably agree with, with his definition, which is just um, you know, a nation um, operating and, and acting for its, for, its own, for, for its own good as a nation. Um, just as you know, any other organization, you know, whether you're talking about a family, uh, a tribe, um, you know, a corporation, a school, um, you know, anything, a church, um, they, they all operate as a group uh, toward a particular end. Um, and so I think, I mean, some people might say, ah, that might be too broad of a definition of, of nationalism. I mean, the you know, 19th century nationalism um, is usually, I think, what people would, would immediately go to is like, oh, all the, all the wars and conflicts that, that arose out of, out of that. Um, 
But uh, and, and some of it is like, well, it's it's a term that um, you know has has a particular uh, you know provenance. You know, of it, it, people will be like, oh, it's from the Enlightenment. You know, it's an Enlightenment term describing you know this idea of a a, a nation um, um, and and how it operates and and, and pursues those goals. Uh, but I think you know even even before that, you have you have examples of nations a- acting. Um, in their in their own interest, in the interest of the what's best for the common good of their people, um, for mm-hmm. you know all of human history, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not yeah. it's not just a nineteenth century thing, where, you know, with nineteenth century nation states. Um, you have you have nations um, pursuing certain goals, it, both for good and for ill, um, all throughout time. And so um, I, I I looked at that at first. I was like, ah, I'm kind of leery of it. I mean, initially, I mean, the term itself. Uh, you know, you, you you initially are leery of it because the media is kind of foisting this term. You know, after um, after the um, yeah. you know mostly peaceful um, electoral justice protests on Epiphany in twenty twenty one, they that 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 became the big boogeyman is ooh Christian nationalism. They'd have the pictures of people holding crosses in front of the Capitol and things like that, and so they wanted to yeah. make that the big scary extremist threat that the FBI is going to uh, you know attack you over and 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 things like that. And so you know, and, and there's this kind of slur they wanted to like make it. They like to slide in white Christian nationalism any chance they get as well to try to make it sound like white nationalism. Yeah. And um, and to scare people, um, and, but I don't think they were expecting many Christians to say you know when they started to describe what it meant is <laughs> like well that doesn't sound right like there's anything wrong with they think that America is a Christian nation and, and our politics should should be you know Christian and and all that and like the, as they like these guys like Samuel Perry and Paul Miller and all that describe this horrible terrible terrifying thing it's like that that's pretty much what I am. Um, is what I believe. I mean, maybe I would uh, qualify some things here or there, but that's that's that that describes yeah. me and most of the people I know. Uh, so, what it, yeah. it isn't bad then. Um, and so that's I, I took. I mean, some people are like you shouldn't use the terms your enemies come up with, uh, and I'm like, well, why not? I mean, they're using this thing to like slander us and attack us, and and they're yeah. handing actually. I think. This thing on a on a silver platter to say here's this thing you can organize and rally around and, and identify you know with people throughout all sorts of disparate you know theological traditions um, in America uh, under this one single banner that uh, was it's I I think it actually has served um, as as kind of an own goal for what they were trying to do with it um, they they totally. thought that they would have this big boogeyman that everyone would cower in fear over. And all sorts of right. people are now like, wow, yeah, this is this is actually good, and and like you know, good books are, are being written, um, you know, defending it. So that's yeah. so as far as the term goes. I mean, yeah, some people are 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 like, oh, I don't think we should use that. It's like, well, you you play the hand that you're dealt, and you you play, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to the best of your ability. And I and I look at it, I'm like, yeah, maybe you could qualify nationalism, what it means, and you have to explain. Well, we're not talking about, you know, um, you know. Uh, you know, post Bismarckian Germany or, or things, you know, things things of that nature. We're talking about uh, just the concept of nations and being, you know, under the authority of Jesus Christ. Um, Andrew, is it uh, is it specific to America or is this a vision that would be for all all nations? 
No, it's not. I mean, we tried to. I mean, we're, we're writing it. Obviously, we both wrote it as Americans, and we we you know we included you know American history in it. And we uh, you know knew that most of our audience would be Americans, but it's um, it's a book that any anyone in the world could read. Um, the the principles of, of what we describe, um, and and you know, we said in there that it, it's not um, it's not just an American. You know, concept. It could be any country on earth, and it and it will be any country on earth. It, it'll, it'll take different forms. You know, each each nation is is has a particular history and culture uh, that they, mm-hmm. they they we're not all just you know these tabula rasas that you just you know airdrop the Declaration of Independence onto and then poof you know a Jeffersonian democracy. Right. You know, that was tried actually in two thousand three um, in Iraq and it didn't really work. Um, but. Uh, but I look at it and I think, well, if, you know, using the example of like Iraq, say there is a huge uh, revival and evangelization of, of that country. Uh, people converted from Islam to to uh, Christianity, and the church just swelled in size and, and became the majority in that country. Um, what would their, you know, what would their particular form of government look like? It, I mean, it probably. It probably would be a monarchy, I would imagine, and it would be, yeah. um, and 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 all, the, and it would have different, you know, cultural features uh, to it. Um, some of their laws would be quite a bit different than, than ours, um, but they would, they would, all of it would be under the authority of Jesus, and so all of their their law would right. be, and, and everything that they do would be um, be influenced and 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 you know, founded on on what God says to do. So. Um, that that's so, yeah. So I think one of the ways, yeah, one of the things you're kind of dispelling here, or may, the mischaracterization that probably people have is, this isn't American exceptionalism uh, in, in the sense that you're 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 baptizing anything and everything that America's ever done and said this is great, we love it no matter what. Um, it, it, it sounds like you're defining nationalism really as love your neighbors yourself, like don't act like a schizophrenic, like like take care of your family. And take care of your neighbor, and 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 and, uh, and and apply that at a at a national level. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean that, that's that's the, the difficult thing too is, with what they were trying to do with with the Christian nationalist you know smear early on is you yeah. you would have you know these guys like Robert Jeffress or or um, or uh, like Greg Locke these guys that just take kind of your um, your standard conservative talking points and and vision for things you know like like american exceptionalism and all, all of this kind of stuff and they have their big yeah. you know big fourth of july worship services with flags and patriotic music everywhere and things like that and they wanted like that to be the thing they wanted that to be you know christian nationalism right. and then lo and behold like there's uh there's a whole giant history of christian america and and like serious um you know, Protestant political uh, thought, and it isn't it is it isn't that at all. Like there's there's stuff like because that right, stuff is right. just wispy, you know, uh, 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 stuff you know the chaff that the wind blows away, right? That's it's there's there's no depth to that kind of stuff at all. Or David Barton stuff, things all all that kind of schlocky, you know, mm-hmm. uh, stuff you'd see at Hobby Lobby. Kind of, you know, yeah. kind of. Uh, uh, well, you and you would probably look at that stuff as anathema at some level. I mean, you, the idea of having a having an American flag, you know, uh, uh, you know, up front in the worship service, for example, you know, or or, or or something like that. That would I would imagine for you from the kind of background you 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 have and 
theological positions you hold, you're you're not. That's not the kind of uh, orientation that you have. Yeah. Theological. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, it's it's difficult um, because I think a lot of people from the baby boomer generation, um, they that are that are faithful, sweet, godly Christian folks. Um, they they grew yeah, up sure. in in this kind of world where. Um, it kind of went hand in hand, you know, patriotism and love for your country and, and being a good Christian. And so the, the conflation yeah. of those things, um, you know, is, is, is kind of cemented in their mind. And so like when I came to our church, um, and you were talking about what, okay, what music are we going to have the first Sunday in July? And I'm like, Oh, just whatever we were going to have next you know uh and what do you mean like no my country tis of thee and no none of this you know none of these things I'm like well no that's that's yeah. and I, I, had, I had to explain you know i had to explain i'm like it's it's not that i don't love our country and i'm thankful for america and and you know you know and you're the most patriotic person you could you could be it's that the worship yeah. is is you know is is not that right we're not uh it's yeah. it, those things are separate um, and, 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 yeah, yeah. So it's it was a hard it's a hard thing, and and so I I actually I mean like the flag in the sanctuary I've, I I can't remember who wrote it. It was one of the Davenant guys I think, um, maybe Miles Smith um, uh, mm. wrote uh, a good article on having the and the, the history of having flags in the sanctuary, uh, which actually persuaded yeah. me it was like because uh, I had always been against it. You know, I'd always been like, oh no, we can't do that. Okay. And then I read that, I'm like, that's actually really good argument <laughs> so anyway uh so i've been moved on that on that topic uh and but uh but anyway yeah sorry i interrupted uh, rich there no no that, I, you know i actually was going to mention that article too because i remember coming across that article as well it's pretty interesting i don't know if i was persuaded by it but it definitely uh you know definitely gave a different perspective than kind of what i've been used to hearing um Go. I want to go back to something you said earlier. You know, you said the slander is it's white Christian nationalism. Mm -hmm. What's what's your what's your response to that? One thing that that is that I think is is starting to happen with these um, new discussions about nationalism is the whole question of what is the relationship of the nation to race, ethnicity. You know, there's all kinds of questions that come up there. Um, what what what's your take on that? How how do you how do you push back against that particular accusation that this is white Christian nationalism? Yeah, yeah. I think I mean that's yeah that's that's a that's a good question. Um, I the when when I discuss it with people, I'll say, well, you know, the United States isn't only white, and it hasn't been right, only white right. from from the get go. I mean, we had. You know, we've had Africans here alongside Europeans uh, from the very earliest days. Um, and so it isn't, I mean, the tradition and the legal tradition, the heritage, the history, all of these things is, you know, it's very clearly Anglo-Saxon legal, you know, heritage and, and so forth. Um, so you have, so you have that on the one hand, but, um, you know, and so people want to you know, focus on that. Even I remember uh, which congressman was it? Uh, mentioned something about Anglo-Saxon legal tradition and the, the press went nuts. Like he's some kind of white supremacist when he's just pointing out that like, <laughs> no, this is where our laws yeah, came all from. All this stuff has a history. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it just did like fall down from oh, heaven. Um, and, and they, they talked to him like he's uh, I think it was the guy Gosar in Arizona, I think uh, said something like that. And, and they went, they went insane over it. And it's like, well, don't you think like we, we can have, you know, non Anglo people, 
you know, assimilated to this, you know, you know, Anglo-Saxon culture, you know, and and it works works fine. Um, So that's that's kind of the thing I go to. I mean, just look at American history. Uh, That's that's what you have to to look at with our country is that you can have you can have a nation of of all sorts of different peoples. And even I mean, even in the 19th century, uh, late 19th century, when my ancestors came to this country, uh, we were you know Germans. And all of us spoke German. Everybody did, and um, until only a couple of generations ago, did they stop um, in, in speaking it in the house. And um, it everyone you know assimilated to the the pre- prevailing culture in the United States. You know, which is which is you know Anglo-Saxon Protestant uh, uh, culture. Um, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. that's what it what it was at least. Um, and so, and you'd have, you'd have people, you know, all sorts of people, you'd have, you know, Eastern Europeans, you'd have, you know, uh, meds, you know, from, from, from Italy. Um, and so you would, uh, you have these people that, I mean, slowly integrate into the culture and it, and it, and it works out just fine. And, and over time, I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> there's difficulty in assimilations, there's, there's conflict and struggle. Um, but, uh, that's, that's how the United States has, has worked, um, throughout this whole time right and so it's not i mean that's the difficulty is you know just the the term nation um in, in greek you know ethne is 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 related or the i mean nation is this latin term you know which means like common you know origin right it's it's you know natal related right? to, the, you, to the word nate natal yeah. 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 Like yeah. Her, yeah. Her and so so you, i mean it's just a real large extended you know um uh, related group. I mean, you look at that like the way it was in the Bible. You have all the, this table of nations. They're all descended from a you know, common person, um, and and they, they, things change over time too. It isn't. It's not static. You know, we sure. don't have Amalekites and Philistines anymore, right. for instance. Right. Um, and yeah. so, yeah. So I, I look at that like America is not like that. It's not a nation in that in that kind of sense. I mean, it, it, in some senses it is. Some of the things you know, some of those definitions um, hit that, but in, in others they don't. Um, and and so it makes it really difficult to to look at the if it, if we were like Germany or if we were France, um, it would be a lot easier. You could say, well, Germany is a country of Germans, uh, <laughs> and, and this yeah. is that's that's who our people are. Uh, uh, and um, but I mean that's that's a controversial point today with all of the you know Muslim migrants that have that have come into Europe. Uh, you, you're not you know you're not allowed to say Germany is for Germans or France is for Frenchmen. Um, but uh, but America um, has always been you know it, it's been this you know I, I the way I describe it and look at it is it's like a you know it's like a tree um, my my neighbor um, has this apple tree with like with like thirty different varieties of apple grafted into it um, and mm. it's still an apple tree but it produces all these different kinds of apples um, and they they survive the grafts survive they took. Um, and America, in a lot of ways, is like that. All these people grafted into this kind of Anglo-Saxon, you know, Protestant culture uh, from from disparate uh, nations that they they hail from. Um, yeah. So yeah, America's weird. <laughs> That's there's no way around that uh, in terms of like history uh, over yeah. and, and and the way the way our culture works and so forth. But it is. Um, it, it, it's still and so that's that's where you get into like all the people that want to get into yeah the racial stuff and the ethnic stuff um, it it's not yeah. as it's not as easy at, you know it's not this binary simple thing where it's like well yeah we're this country like what is an American 
Um, well, it, it's somebody that that holds to this, you know, to this cult. Like somebody that you know looks at American history and sees the Mayflower and um, and sees the American founding um, and and says that's my history, right? Those are my people, right? Yeah. I'm proud of that. This is our heritage, yeah. right? And so. I mean, it, and it's it's funny because people people think like, oh, that's only white people that think that, you know, that be you know some lib listening to that probably thinks I say that, and they're like, oh, he's only talking about white people, but like my dad was in in the army, and you know his his two best friends when he was in the army were black guys, and and they both had had served as you know, special forces in Vietnam, and uh, these are guys that like they look at the Mayflower, they look at you know the you know. Uh, Declaration of Independence. They look at our, our our history, and they they were not the kind of people that thought, oh, my ancestors were slaves at that time, and that that was all evil. These were guys that thought that's my country that I love, and it's giving me so yeah. much opportunity, yeah. and I'm I'm part of this. That's me. Um, and so, yeah. like I, I think of those guys when I think about that. Um, you know, because I, I had the opportunity to meet them when I was when I was young, and um, that I, I think like these are guys that bled for, you know for the u.s you know <laughs> so it's like no they, do they well, count of course they do well yeah i mean i like you know the yeah. very opening page in the forward of your book it says that just as as christian faith is not limited to any race ethnicity or culture neither is christian nationalism you know uh, I, I i did appreciate yeah. that because i do think that's a question that's come up is you know uh and, and you know I, I i agree with people who have, you know who have pointed out that nations can be hard to define you know but a particular people living under a particular government in a particular place is one way to think about it. And in America, yeah, our nation as it exists does have a variety of, of, of different races, people from different backgrounds and whatnot. And the way we've made that work historically is that people were assimilated into a shared American culture that was largely shaped by the Christian faith. That's what made it work. Uh, obviously, as that Christian consensus breaks down, it gets a yeah. lot harder to. We don't. What, what are we assimilating people into now? Do we even have yeah. a shared culture right. uh, that we can that we can uh, assimilate people into? That yeah. that's the nationalism part. You know, when I've been asked, him, you know, are you a Christian nationalist?" and and my typical response to that has been, "Well, let's make it multiple choice. Like, what are the options? <laughs> <laughs> like Christian nationalism, pagan nationalism, and secular nationalism. Those are your choices. Yeah. Yes, I go with Christian nationalism. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know." Because that kind of helps me understand what the person means when they ask that question. I think it can. And uh, you know, another question that might be asked is why Christian nationalism as opposed to Christian countyism or Christian neighborhoodism or even Christian uh, globalism or Christian imperialism or or Christian planetism. You know, there, there's a lot of different sort of options on the, that could be on the table there. Yeah. Well, we had, I mean, we had a certain a kind of uh, Christian globalism or Christian imperialism um, in the, in the 19th century, uh, which was the British empire. Right. Uh, you know, that, I mean, we, we, that's what really what it was um, yeah. is you have, you have this Protestant uh, world empire um, and it, and I mean, people want to say, Oh, it was so terrible. And colonization is bad. But I mean, you have countries like Nigeria that are full of, very conservative Anglicans, uh, because for you know over a hundred years they were a, a a a colony of Great Britain, and they brought you know Anglican Protestantism there, uh, and so you know that I think yeah a case you know could you make the case you know for that uh, for for that again or something you know similar to that uh, I yeah I think so um, 
I think it's, but it's it's a question of you know context and where where we're at in history. Uh, right now, um, the you know the the big bad guy in the world is you know what I call um, in the book, and yeah, Stephen uses this phrase in the book as well. I think it's kind of just taken up its um, as as kind of the de facto um, you know. Uh, idea or, or definition of, of, of who the bad guy is is the globalist American empire, right? The the GAE, the gay, um, and it um, it is dominating the planet um, everywhere. I mean, everywhere everywhere you go on, in, in the world, whether you go to Europe or, or South America or or, um, or to Asia, um, the the values and the ideas and the things that that the globalist American empire loves and, and what things that it hates um, have been adopted throughout the entire planet. Um, and, um, you know, through various means, through, you know, economic power, um, through, you know, military intervention or the threat of military intervention through, um, uh, and through, through cultural power, right? I mean, every, you know, every big Hollywood movie that gets produced is watched across the globe. Um, and so, this is, I mean, just even right now, like the conflict in, um, in Ukraine is, I mean, you look at it and the, uh, like Vladimir Zelensky is trying to get, you know, 50 more billion dollars from the, from the Americans. So what does he do? Right. He, he unilaterally legalizes gay marriage in this very traditional Eastern European country. Right. That's, that's the quid pro quo yeah. is adopt gay wow. cultural practices and we will give you money, or we will give you, we will help you to fight this, you know, to fight this war. I mean, some of it too is to to present an antithesis to Russia, which is, you know, at least nominally uh, becoming, you know, antithetical to all the things that the gay pushes, right? So they're they're increased. They just banned, right. uh, they just banned, banned promotion of homosexuality in, you know, they criminalized it um, in in the entire country, um, and so mm-hmm. some of it is for Ukraine to stand, you know, to be the antithesis to that. So anyway, um, that's that's pushed all over the world. I mean, we were when we were in Afghanistan. I'm sure you guys know this that that um, like one of the things as we're withdrawing from Afghanistan, they're like, "What are we going to do with all of the women's studies, gender studies majors in the Kabul University? We need to get them out so they can be in safety." It's like, what are they doing there? Why was this happening? Why you know why were why were there? Yeah, I heard. <laughs> I heard some crazy number like 700 million, 750 million dollars were spent by America yeah. in Afghanistan on gender yeah. education. Yeah. Yeah. Like our our government spent 750 million dollars yeah. yeah. on gender education. Yeah, I can which, think, of, I mean, uh, I can think of some ways to have possibly spent that money more effectively. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe. I mean just I just think about that like Maybe. I anytime there's like big big giant, you know, figures like that is um, I always like in Minnesota here. The the Vikings built a stadium, which was exactly one billion dollars, and yeah. I I just yeah. look at that like three quarters of the Viking stadium went to gender <laughs> studies in Afghanistan. Like it's it's mind blowing. Like the the amount of of, of of wealth just lit on fire, like the Joker in the Dark Knight. You know, a big pyramid of cash. Like, but yeah. that's what you're talking about. You're you're talking about a a kind of American imperialism. That is pushing out, you know, our our modern globalist whatever well, it, it's, uh, ideology. It, it's pushing out the the views of the American elites and progressives, yeah. which you know you could say maybe represent half the country, you know, at most. 
yeah. but but not more than that, and, and maybe yeah. a lot less. It's hard well, to say. But and and I, I think the thing that that your book and 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 I've I've started I've listened to some interviews with with Stephen Wolf too on his book. Um, but I think the thing that you guys are really exposing um, that seems novel to modern Christians, modern even you know American evangelicals, is this idea that. That there really is no, uh, there's no neutrality yeah. on, on this stuff. Like a, a, every, every government, every politician is is enforcing some some moral, philosophical, theological position. Um, and, and the question is just which one are they, which one are they picking? And the only people in America who are trying self consciously not to do that are evangelical Christians. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is saying, I'm going to use politics to make society better uh, by the standard that I that I hold to which is globalism or or, or environmentalism or whatever it's only Americans who go well actually no we, we're gonna separate it's only it's only modern evangelical Christians who who try yeah. who have been sort of brainwashed into thinking that that no you're you're not supposed to do yeah. that yeah and we yeah. I mean our, our oh sorry rich go ahead well, I, yeah, I think that's I think that's that's an important point. I think one one thing that I would say here that I think is important is, um, I was actually just texting with my son about this last night. And he made this point. I think it's a really good one. You know, I think one of our arguments needs to be that actually the reason we want a society that is shaped by the Christian faith is not because we want to mm-hmm. impose or force mm-hmm. Christianity on everybody, but it's actually a way of loving your neighbor. It actually is for it's it's in everybody's best interest that we live in a Christian society because that's going to be a society that uh, protects innocent life. It's going to be a society that protects right. speech. It's going to be a society that uh, where where marriage laws are conformed to what the institution of marriage is all about. Uh, so you're you know you're getting, which is I mean again there's all, there's always going to be a sin crime distinction. You're not trying to make every sin into a crime. But it, it, it definitely serves the, the public good, the common good, to have marriage laws that more or less conform to God's definition of what marriage is supposed to be. And I could go down, you know, down the list, you know, freer markets, uh, just freer people in general. So it, it really does serve, to use an, over, an overworked term, it serves human flourishing to pursue a Christian or a Christianized society. So it's good for everybody. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and I don't think you can say that about an Islamic society or a pagan society or anything like that. So, um, so well, I, I, I think, think that's a important point. We can do this out of yeah. love for neighbor. Yeah, I, I think that's um, yeah. one of those points. I mean, this is this is a major subject in my in my next book. Um, so I don't want to give it all away just yet. But um, is that I mean, you know, Rich brings up like a pagan a society. Um, and obviously we, we, we know all the problems with paganism and all, all the, all the sociological problems with it. Um, but even then I, I look at that and I'm like, these were people that were still largely living in reality, even though it's skewed and it's, it's messed up. Um, they, they still had the material constraints of the way the world actually is. Um, but the yeah. modern secularist globalist blob that, that we're under, um, because of our, our technological advancement, because of our um, material prosperity, um, we believe that we have transcended those material constraints. And so it allows us for all, all sorts of flights from reality. It allows us to, to, mm-hmm. to believe things that, are, that you know, if, if you would go back 
you know, 3,000 years to, to talk and, and describe the society to ancient pagans or to, or to, you know, uh, yeah. faithful Hebrews, both of them would be like, that's insane. That is, abs- yeah. how, what, right. what? Um, and, right. um, and so that's, that's the, the, the difficulty of today is like, you first have to like persuade people before you can even persuade them of the Christian faith. You have to persuade them that reality is real. Uh, and then, and then yeah. show how it conform, you know, how the truth of the scripture conforms to to what is. Um, and so, we're we're in like I, yeah. I think in a lot of ways um, uncharted territory as far as you know, the mass insanity that we we live under. I mean, I, I can't. Yeah. I um, in my town, I'm I'm running for you know school board right now. And all a bunch of people in town think like I'm this you know radical right winger and and things like this, uh, and and I talk to them when they say oh I think you're just too radical I don't think I could vote for you, and I will talk to people and I, well, I'll tell them like well you know like the freshman class at our high school just um, you know had to like put down what their pronouns are on their questionnaire for their first day of yeah. school. Yeah, who's real and, radical? And like and like they're they're they're. Like you know what they're teaching? Like the standards that the state of Minnesota have for history, you know, basically say that all white people are evil and they're responsible for all the great crimes of, in, in in history, uh, and, and the founding of America shouldn't have happened. Things things like this. Um, you should be ashamed of your country. Like I'm like, do you understand the things that are happening? Here? Like I'm the radical, <laughs> right? So uh, people are are compla- right. Some of right. it's just complacency. Some of a lot of it, you know, you know, Rich brought up the 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 gay um, is is driven by the the. Um, the insane vision of the elites, uh, which is true, and 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 it's like I think of quite a few. Like if if you if you strip that away, and and the power that these people have, do fifty percent of the people in the country believe this stuff? No, of course not. I mean, it's maybe right. a tiny fraction that actually like are true believers, but a majority of people right. just do what they have to do in order to keep their jobs and go to work and 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 keep living and enjoying their life. Um, they, they, they'll just submit to whatever, right? They'll submit to, uh, right. they'll submit to a dangerous experimental medical treatment if they're told to, to keep their jobs. Um, they're like, well, um, right. we don't know anything about this, but it, I, I'm going to do it cause I have been, I'm told I have to. Um, and, I mean, people are, people are right. driven by, uh, by this social pressure, um, to a very, very large yeah. degree. And so, well, oh yeah. And, and so like my, my yeah, thing I, with this is. Uh, sorry, is um, like having having a counter narrative, right? Having, I mean, having mm-hmm. something where people are like, well, you, you know, uh, I don't know if I agree with everything on this point, or I don't know if I agree with Christian nationalism or the, this idea. Is it's something? It's a it's a counter narrative that is yeah. is something rather than nothing. Rather than just saying I don't like the gay, I don't like what they're doing, I don't like, I, I'm opposed to mm-hmm. the the evil elites. Um, this is instead. Right. Um, a something to fight with that's in, in a positive sense, that this is the program that we want. We want to have this kind of generic yeah. uh, Christendom again is, is what we want. Um, and so yeah. that is, um, that I think is the powerful thing because the, otherwise people are just um, totally at the mercy of the social pressure that's you know manufactured against them. They don't have anything else to say. Right. They, don't, they don't have an identifiable people that they can say, oh no, these guys say this, and I'm going to be with them. Um, so some of it is, right. is just that having a and, and having a um, a politics of the right that's that's on the right that mm-hmm. is that is steeped in American 
history and tradition that is um, that's attractive to American, you know, to your red-blooded American people. Um, it is right. is the other thing. I think that the the great thing about this is that it um, it it is it's it's not weird, right? Um, like a lot of yeah. a lot of like right wing politics, uh, especially the kind that you see on the internet, is is weird to normal people. Um, it's it's strange and bizarre, right. and they they it scares them. Um, and this isn't. This is just well. This is what people believed two hundred years ago when they started the country. Uh, like why don't we go back right. to that? Um, like the, either have right. either we can have the trannies everywhere, or we can you know have have the America that was, um, that's, that's an attractive yeah, pitch, you know, to people. Well, some of it too, you, you, you had a quote, I'm going to, I want to read a quote from the book. Um, you, you, and I think it was a quote from David Chilton that made it into your book. So, um, I'm reading a quote of a quote in your book, but I thought it was really good. Um, and I think it explains or, or helps explain kind of the phenomenon we're talking about. Um, so it's, uh, it's the unbiblical idea of spirituality, is that the truly spiritual man is the person who is a sort of non-physical, who doesn't get involved in earthly things, who doesn't work very much or think very hard, or and who spends most of his time meditating about how he'd rather be in heaven. As long as he's on earth, though, he has one main duty in life, get stepped on for Jesus. The spiritual man in this view is a wimp, a loser, but at least he's a good loser. I'll stop there. Um, but but I feel like that I, yeah that really resonated for me because I feel like that's that's uh, that's the Christianity I see around me everywhere uh, in in the South is is let let's be a good Christian is is he thinks about spiritual things says spiritual things but otherwise um, he you know he he's focused on he's just focused on the the, the heavenly things and the spiritual. And uh, it doesn't really matter, what, you know, how passive uh, or uh, beat down he is. Um, and actually, it's viewed as a as a um, positive yeah, good, a you know, to yeah. to be beat down, right? And and I even I, I I put up a video the other day on Christian nationalism, just kind of preparing for this this talk. And, uh, and one of the comments talked about being a sojourner, you know, and, and really that's our function. That's supposed to be the role of Christianity in the world is to just be kind of passing through, to be pilgrims. Um, and obviously there's something to that. Um, but, but there's also this, it's like, well, if, if, uh, if scripture's true, you know, and if, if Christ is going to rule all the nations, um, then at some point, like, like if, if being a sojourner is the ideal, then do we need to move as soon as Christianity becomes like like the norm is that is that a bad thing and we need to go find somewhere else to live yeah yeah I, I, and that's that's just it like i i think yeah that chilton passage i mean that is it is such a such a good one um and it i mean that's that's the thing that guys like david french and, and russell moore and people like that um they they uh i i almost said like that defines those guys but really it defines the people that they exist to yeah. manipulate Right. So the people in the South, I mean, up in the yeah. upper Midwest, too, I mean, we're full of you know, these German and Scandinavian Lutherans that are very passive, very much. Oh, boy, I don't know if that's such a good idea. You know, things. And, but then they go and vote for the Dem for Tim Walls and the Democrats you know, here anyway. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, they go to their ELCA church with the lady pastor. They don't know any they don't know any better. They just know I'm a nice guy and we like we, you know, we're, we're nice people. Um, 
don't you know? And and like that's that's and down there it's the same. It's the same way. I mean, it's very similar um, yeah. attitude that this world is not our home. This world's not our home, so we're just passing through. Um, and and they get manipulated by by these people that that will you know quote you know uh, John nineteen and say you know my kingdom is not of this world. So you know and and, and the question I always had for you know, years when I was a you know younger Christian when I was in college and you'd have these kinds of discussions about uh, politics and about and just 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 the theological question of well if this world's not our home and we're supposed to just wait here until we die. Um, and, and maybe do some Christian stuff, like share the gospel and things like that. Um, and just generally be nice and good. Um, is that all we're supposed to do? Is that all we're here for? Why doesn't the second we believe in Jesus, why doesn't he just, you know, kill us (laughs) and then we go to heaven? Right. I mean, I had, I had friends too that like, that's how they thought they're like, I just want to go, you know, be a missionary and go be a martyr and go die now so I can go to heaven sooner. Um, and it, it, this attitude that people had, and it's like, you read the Bible, right? And it's not—it's not like that at all. It's like no, there's there's a whole mission on this world, and and Jesus is is yeah. sending his disciples into the world to to Christianize the world. Paul talks about having the Gentiles, the nations, um, obey the gospel, which is like, I mean, that pass, mm-hmm. you know, that that's like, whoa, that's that that messes people up just the statement itself um and 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 like i i I would talk to people that's like there's more to it than this there's stuff we have to do and and having a christian nation having a a, having cultural christianity surround us is a really good thing i remember um when the the debate between um doug wilson and christopher hitchens that video came out and i watched that and i Mm -hmm. I remember this is you know i was still pretty young i was still in college and um, he says that they're you know riding in, in a car somewhere to debate or whatever, and they're co- they're contrasting you know Hitchens' upbringing and Doug's, and they both grew up in a Christian society, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, they ask you know Doug, well, why are you a Christian? And you know here's this apologist. You're expecting him to give some you know some argument, you know some just silver bullet argument of why why you should be a Christian, and and uh, his answer was. Well, because my parents were, and because <laughs> like, my parents were, uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking like, yeah. uh, that's true. I mean, and so having a, a Christian society, a Christian nation where, where, where Christian things pervade everything is, is like that yeah. is like having, oh, my parents yeah. were Christians, right? I grew up, I mean, if I, if I asked my great, 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 great grandfather, why are you a Christian? Right. If I had a time machine, I was able right. to go back. What would his answer be? Uh, in German, it would be right. uh, well because because everybody is. Why wouldn't I be? Right. You know, uh, well, it's it's the the I've been talking a lot about this at home with my family. It's the 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 Enlightenment has done such a number on Christianity, and 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 it's 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 old. Not it's it's a it's a kind of a form of Gnosticism, but it's this like idea that. You know, we want everybody. When you say, "Why do you do this or that?" We want everybody to be be able to give a, you know, a, a, a intellectually, philosophically precise answer, and uh, the the best answer uh, is because you you just don't do that, or because that's how you should. That's that's how I was raised to be. That's that's the right thing to do. What that what that is, uh, you know, is is. That the you know when Paul talks about uh, I so I listened to um, 
to Josh Gibbs's proverbial podcast. Uh, I, I think it's really good. He's got a lot of good stuff to say there. And he had one recently about uh, about when Paul says, you know, I do what uh, you know, I don't do what I what I want to do and I do what I hate. Uh, uh, what I do do, I hate. Right. And he's basically saying knowledge is really as a really weak motivator, like mo- knowledge like just knowing what is right is 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 very very weak. Um, there's a lot. Even the demons know what is right. Um, it it do you know being able to to act righteously and and virtuously is going to take more than knowledge. It's going to take love and it's going to take uh, uh, this this kind of craving or this kind of desire that comes from 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 a a, a deeper place. So. So I've I've been saying for years that I think we've been sold a bill of good with respect to worldview, yeah. you know, a, as some sort of savior. That that worldview is a is a thing, and it's not it's not that it's not a thing that doesn't matter, but it's not going to save society. It's going to be culture, tradition, history, community, those kinds of things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's all that's all really interesting. You know, it is. It, I have read some of these attacks on the Bible Belt and that kind of thing, and how you know it's great that the Bible Belt is dying out and that kind of thing. And I mean, in a way, I get it because you know I've lived here long enough to see. Yeah, there are all kinds of problems uh, with the Bible Belt, no doubt about it. Uh, but what, but I do think that there's also great value. So 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 even though those people have a point about the dangers of nominalism or hypocrisy or what have you, or things done in the name of Jesus that damage the cause of Jesus, uh, you know, all all of those are, are realities we have to deal with. At the same time, people who grow up in a heavily Christianized context, whether it be your family or you know, maybe even in some ways even just as powerfully, you know, your 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 broader nation, the broader culture you're a part of, it, it really is in many ways easier for you to be convinced of, of biblical uh, teachings, biblical wisdom, biblical principles. Uh, if you're not generally converted, I think in a lot of ways it's easier for you to be converted uh, because you know what Francis Schaeffer called pre-evangelism has already been done for you. Yeah. You yeah. already have contact with reality. You know, Andrew, going back to the distinction you were making, we we live in a society in which a lot of people are just completely out of touch with reality, and so every now and then we come across a non-Christian, like say a, you know a Jordan Peterson or somebody like that, who does seem to be in touch with at least certain aspects of reality. And we're so thankful because it's like, well, at least yeah. you know not everybody has gone insane. Uh, out there. So, yeah, yeah you know, it, it's it's one of those things that I think that uh, it's like you won't know what you had until it's gone. And uh, and I think there's a real danger in that. Hey, Andrew, I, I want to one other question that, that I think is related to all of this. You know, your book is called Christian Nationalism. Um, when, when, and we talked about the nationalism part of that and what, you know, what, what a nation is and, and all of that and how that should be understood in relation to race and ethnicity and whatnot. But what about the Christian part of it? Um, you know, there are obviously a lot of different varieties of Christian faith. Not only can we think of this in terms of denominations, but often even within denominations, there are different, you know, different versions of, of, of Christian faith, uh, obviously. And I would say one of the Achilles heel, you know, maybe the Achilles heel of, of, uh, of American, of, of the American church is how divided the church is in America. Uh, you know, we have, we have divided the church uh, in a way that was just not even you know, thinkable in previous eras. Of but does it matter to your project which version of the Christian faith uh, we have? Can, can your vision of Christian nationalism work with Baptists, Roman Catholics, 
uh, Presbyterians, you, you know, whatever. Does that matter? You know, how does that fit into? It? Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it does matter um, <clears throat> quite a bit because especially because each of the various traditions um, have um, have a different political theology. Um, so I mean, you know, you, you bring up Baptists, for instance. Um, there are a lot. I mean, there's there's a ton of debate among Baptists whether whether they can even have a Baptist Christian nation. Whether that whether Baptist theology allows that. Um, I mean, I think I think it does. Um, I think I, I think there's. I, I've had my, my friend uh, uh, William Wolf. Um, he's he's done a lot of writing and and, and uh, you know historical research on on you know historical Baptist theology and and, and makes a case for it. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot that of, of Baptists who would disagree would say that no, that having an you know any any semblance of establishment is totally antithetical to Baptist theology. Um, and, and of course, you know, in a, in a Catholic, in a majority Catholic country, um, you know, a, uh, having a Christian nation, having a Catholic Christian nation certainly is, is quite a bit different than a Protestant one as well. Uh, but I think, I mean, America, the American yeah. church, the, the interesting thing about that, because I've, I've, you know, um, you know, studied this stuff and, and done a lot of thinking about, um, you know, American history and American religious history and, and what it all means. Uh, I mean, a lot of it, you know, denominations in general, um, largely, at least in, in initially in, in American history, all the, all the various denominations were kind of a, a theological subset of the various ethnicities. I mean, we talked about how America is this weird hodgepodge of, of um, various ethnicities, and that works its way out in, in the denominational distinctions as well. I mean, you have... Um, you have Scots Irish, you know, coming from, uh, coming from Scotland and bringing Presbyterianism here. You have you have you know English with Anglicanism, and then the various various breakdowns of, of um, you know with with dissenters, you know, Puritans um, in New England. Um, you have you have the Dutch that came over and brought Reformed churches to to uh, New York, uh, and so I mean you have and then then in in Pennsylvania <laughs> you have uh, Quakers. I mean another another group, and so. Um, a lot of these, a lot of the religious distinctions were were primarily along ethnic lines, um, and but then you get to the you know, 19th and 20th century in America, and uh, by the 20th century, the the main established churches uh, begin falling into apostasy. I mean, and these, I, I think we don't give enough. Um, attention to the fact that these were, I mean, you look at the decline of the United States since the beginning of the 20th century, um, when you had a Presbyterian church and you had an Episcopal church that were still Christian, um, and these founded the bedrock of the country, um, there was a tremendous amount of cultural, political, religious power that, that flowed out of these places, and they, as they apostatized, uh, the rest of the country did too. I mean, they they led. I mean, as the church went, so went the country, and so um, you and and throughout the twentieth century, they just bled people, and those people didn't leave uh, the Christian faith. They went into evangelical churches, and so evangelicalism became the major Christian power block in in the country. But the problem with that is there is there's no structure, there's no organization, there's no real obvious hierarchy other than. Who gets the most butts and seats, or who you know who has the right. most influence you know, popularity-wise, um, and so in, in that sense, it's very democratic, and you see kind of the the worst people rise to the top. 
in evangelicalism. You see the people that are, I mean, you see, like, I, I bring these guys up a lot because I think they they yeah. wield this influence, but, you know, the David French's and Russell Moore's and, and people like them, um, they, they've risen to the top because they know how to manipulate and press the right buttons and, and make these right arguments and, yeah. and look like they're good guys when they're, they really are not. Um, and, and, and so, like, that's, I think that's one of the major problems in, in America is that there is no, um, there is no clear, obvious, organized uh, theological tradition or, or religious hierarchy that we could say is Now, I mean, the counter-argument to that is you have other places that do have that, and it's completely, like, look at the Catholic Church. I mean, the Catholic, the, the Roman Catholic Church does have this hierarchy, and it's, it's, it's I mean, look at the Pope and, and the, the cardinals and everything. They're all, they're all communists, basically. And so it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a problem either way. Um, Hey, um, Andrew, can we go to kind of a lightning round where we ask you some yes. questions? I mean, and these are I, this maybe not fair to you because these are kind of complicated questions, but I know we're also running out of time, but maybe just like your quick, you know, yeah. one or two minute response. Um, what is the relationship of your Christian nationalist project to, uh, say, theonomy? Yeah, um, I, I would say, you know, it's not I, I'm. Um, yeah, I'm not necessarily opposed where I'm like, oh, no, the, the theonomic stuff is bad and wrong. We can't do that. I think um, it's, I would say, more you know, vague or general understanding of it that, that, um, that if, if you're going to have a Christian nation, the laws are going to be influenced by God's word to one degree or another. Now, is it you know, Control-C, Control-V, you know, Mosaic Law, boom, you know, that's our constitution now. Um, no, I don't think it. I don't think it's that way. And even, I mean, even the you know, even Rush Dooney or or Bonson would not even you know say that. Um, but I think there, there's going to be you know, influence from God's law because it's the highest, you know, it's the highest standard of of authority. Um, so that's of, of course that would be the case. But it wouldn't be. I, I don't think. I don't think it, it necessarily has to be this uh, very the the narrow Christian Reconstructionist you know, uh, thing. It, there, it could take all sorts of different forms, but ultimately uh, the nation is going to be influenced by God's law one way or the other. How, how does um, what the what you're developing relate to uh, what's typically been called classical liberalism? You know, we think of classical liberalism as kind of the American founding, is kind of the epitome of classical liberalism, and obviously you do appeal to the American founding in, you know, in various ways in your book and the fact that, you know, course there's there's tension between classical liberalism and the american founding because the american founding states had established churches which would not typically be a feature of classical liberalism so it does it does call that into question but today you've got this whole post-liberal movement which is uh you know post-liberalism can go a lot of different directions but you know people like patrick deneen or um, you know, there's some other figures that are, that are, I mean, even Theopolis, you know, I think it would very much be considered post-liberal in terms of what they're seeking to do because they see all kinds of problems with classical liberalism. But then you've also got guys like Andrew Sandlin and Brian Matson who are very favorable to classical liberalism. And so you got these guys that I think probably all of us like or influenced by or have some appreciation for. And there are different sides of this. Uh, you know this debate over classical liberalism versus post-liberalism is that something that, that that factors into what you're doing and how do you see all of that um yeah to a certain extent i mean we don't really get into into those details especially because we wanted it to be you know 
very accessible uh, book. Uh, but in, in terms of my thinking, um, yeah, I, I, I look at it, I, I think that, you know, just just the concept of liberalism in general, um, yeah, Denise, like you mentioned, Deneen's book, um, it's, it's fracturing, it's breaking up, that the center is not able to hold, uh, that maybe you could... You could have a classical liberalism when you when you still had a Christendom, right? Being the thing that that um, cohered you know everything together, um, but it, it it without that, it's it's gonna fall apart. Um, yeah, I think and that's so. Right. And, and, yeah, and so I, I look back. I mean, so in some ways, we're kind of in this sort of dark age, um, where you know the empire has fallen and there's just all various factions you know uh grasping for power and trying to fill the vacuum um i think that's kind of the the situation we're in even though we're in in one sense we're ruled over by this you know incredibly powerful um almost anti-christian you you know by definition uh empire um and, and and so but nevertheless i i think that um it the way things have gone um that the liberal, the classical liberalism is is for both left and right, um, is it, it has passed passed us by. It's not it's not here anymore, um, and so to like trot out the uh, oh, the Constitution and Declaration of Independence and my religious freedom, you know, arguments uh, when you're going up against somebody who doesn't believe in that stuff anymore, um, doesn't doesn't work, right? Doesn't work. I mean, I think we can. So I think we can appeal to the American tradition, the tradition of American founding, you know, the heritage that we have. But you have you have pre a pre liberal um, political order in as part of our tradition as well. And, and so I try to stress that as well in, in the last chapter of the book, is there's there's we could stand firmly in that without having to say, all right, we're going to do everything that James Madison ever said because that you know he is he is our you know. Our prophet of, of the American project. No, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that works. Um, and especially because um, I know this is less. This is more than two minutes. Um, but uh, uh, I think that in order to when at, at a certain point there, there's going to need to be and, and Wolf actually kind of gets into this in his book. Um, there's going to be the need for um, you know a, a a powerful leader to to defend his people. Um, like even like right now. That might be happening in Brazil. I don't know if you guys are paying attention to what's taking place in Brazil, but they had a, they had an even more ridiculously fraudulent election, um, where the Supreme Court mm-hmm. took this guy who had a you know who had been convicted of all sorts of corruption and, and bribery and all sorts of things. You know, this sounds very similar to our situation. Uh, the Supreme Court says, nope, he's out of jail. He can run for president, and then like all sorts of crazy stuff happens in. In, in, in the voting and, and and anyway, this guy wins by a very small margin yesterday, and the country and is is about to go into a civil war, um in wow. in uh, Brazil and it might be that Jair Bolsonaro, um you know becomes a Caesar and takes over and says no we're getting rid of the communists in our country and and you know all of that, um now I, that that might be a thing that happens in the future I actually wrote um. For Theopolis a couple weeks ago, um, about Jeff Meyer's book, uh, very very good uh, commentary on on uh, the Epistle of James, and and I basically yeah. said, I mean this is basically what I said is like, as as things get worse, right, the demand for a great leader to come rescue us, a Caesar to save us, is going to be there, and we will either be restrained as Christians, and this 
and it will be, you know, if this reaction, this coming reaction happens, um, will they be restrained and not bloodthirsty and murderous people or, and, and, and restrained by, by God and, and faithfulness to him? Or it will be just a, a total pagan you know, bloodletting. Um, and like that, that's mm. part of what the book of James you know, teaches is to, to not uh, become these um, murderous reactionaries. Um, so anyway, like uh, all of that is to say, I, I think, yeah, like whether we want, I mean, even if I were up you know, here saying, oh, I love classical liberalism. I, it's the greatest thing ever. We should have Jeffersonian democracies all over the world. Like that's just not the reality. That's not going to, yeah. that's passing. It's, it's over. Um, I think. Um, yeah, you know, I, th I think you're right about that. Um, classical liberalism kind of had its moment. I think the thing about classical, and there's much about classical li liberalism that I appreciate and would want to preserve into our post-liberal future. Uh, but classical liberalism did presuppose some kind of Christian cultural consensus. Yeah. And it, you know, so it depends upon that. And it only right. works if you have that kind of Christian consensus. And our founding fathers recognized that, you know, they, they, they did recognize that about yeah. the system. So when that consensus goes away. But yeah, I, I think that you, you make an interesting point about the need for a, uh, you know, a strong leader, kind of Constantinian type figure who could... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, who, that, that's an interesting uh, thought. Um, what about a test case? Uh, what, what happens with homosexuals in a Christian nationalist social order? Yeah, it's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think, I mean, just look at, again, like I, it, it probably sounds like a broken record answer, but just look at, look at American history. Um, we, we had, we had laws for lewdness and, and we criminalized all sorts of behavior um, to the extent that at, at the, at the very least, this stuff was not out in public, right? This was not an openly celebrated thing, you know, this, and we, we, you know, we know all the arguments why it's not good for a society and, and all, how all, all sorts of things have fallen apart because of our acceptance of it. Um, you know, people would be like, right. oh, or if a, you have a Christian nation, is it going to be this theonomic thing where you're, you know, every day, you know, taking homosexuals to the firing squads and, and, and things like that. It's like, well, no, I don't think you... I don't. I don't. I think you have to do that. I think you. But I. I do think, you know, a Christian nation would, would penalize uh, things that are harmful to people, and it's it's not just harmful to society. It's also harmful to those those men, and women, um, as well. It's not. It's not good for them or or for the common good, um, and so yeah, you would have to. I think you would. You could bring it back to, you know, just. Saying you no, you can't you can't do that in public, right? Take down those rainbow flags, you know, things, things like that. Um, you could you could be softer and gentler, uh, and only put people in jail for a few days. Uh, so so no Pride Month in uh, your yeah. in, in, the, in the Christian nationalist. No, that would well, I love that. Be gone in the in the piece. What what about uh, what what would you say is the more foundational institution in terms of bringing about the kind of changes you would like to see? Is it the is it the family or is it the church? Well, I mean, it's, I don't know if I would want to like place a dichotomy between, you know, between those two and, and say, well, we got to have, we, we got to have this one and we can do without the other. Uh, and you, I don't think you can, I don't think you can necessarily do that. I think you, you have to have families um, and you have to have the church. You can't say, oh, if we just, rest I mean, because you see this, the religious right in the, in the 80s and 90s, values. it was like, yeah, focus on the family. Let's just yeah. restore the family. And it's like, well, and the church just withered um, yeah. this the, throughout that. And, yeah. and so um, you you got to have both. 
All right, and you can't just say, "Oh, we're going to restore the church, and that's going to be the thing," and then you know, and then you have all of these these this cultural mess that's you know everywhere. I mean, and, and just just from the legal perspective, the laws um, of of how custody works and how you know um, how marriage, you know, how the divorce law, all these things. Uh, no, like that has to be a simultaneous thing where we we change these laws. Um, one of the actually one of the more disappointing and dismaying things uh, from the last year didn't get a lot of press. Aaron Renner talked about this, but uh, DeSantis vetoed the legislature in Florida passed a bill that required, you know, as the baseline for custody disputes, fifty fifty custody between father and 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 or, and mother, um, and he vetoed it. Yeah, I saw uh, he that. Vetoed, he vetoed it. It's like. Yeah. What in the world? Um, and and so much as anyway, I like to say, that was a disappointment. It was incredibly disappointing. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, and I think those things are as fundamental to what needs to happen as anything regarding homosexuality or, or anything else is just restoring. They affect a lot more act, people. Actual marriage, yeah, and families. I mean, it's just think of all the little kids that that go grow up without a father who wants to be there. Um, and their, the, yeah. their father's robbed from them because of a, 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 a totally insane feminized uh, court system. Um, and so, anyway, yeah, I think I think that those things have to be have to be restored. But also, the church has to has to um, has to be built back up. Uh, and so, what what means does this take? I mean, I know you guys have probably uh, I know Rich for sure. Um, you know, I've listened to like. Uh, Rich Bledsoe and and the things he said about you know Boulder that's that's been very influential uh, to me just his and, and you know 20 years ago these talks he would give about how yeah denominations are not really going to be a thing anymore and it's going to be local ministry and and I mean he he basically showed how how um, this this thing Foster talks about you know the great ecclesiastical you know reset. Um, how that's happening. I mean, we're yeah. really, honestly, I think we are going through something like the Reformation um, in terms of the scope and, and magnitude of it right now. Um, that, um, that uh, I mean, I have, I have conservative, you know, very, very conservative people from all of Christendom there in my own town and, and online um, that are tight with me. And it could be Catholic, you know, they could be traditionalist Catholics, it could be, you know, it's Lutherans, it's um, Evangelicals, it's Baptists, you know, it's it's Reformed guys, and so I have all those guys. They're like, these are these are my guys, these are my my people, and yeah. and on the other side is in all of those parts of, of Christendom are libs who are like, oh no, gay, you know, we you know, gay is fine, and we need um, and you know, Trump is evil, and all this kind of stuff, um, and it's it's like this dividing line and, and people want to act like, I mean, David French had a tweet today about how it's like uh, politics, you know, oh, if you're, you're dividing over politics, that's bad. And it's like, no, it's, I think it's actually good. It's very good because like you're seeing these people are, will believe anything that they're told to and they'll wear your, your tradition as a skin suit. Uh, whereas the people that, that actually believe their faith and, and believe the Bible and 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 hold to it no matter what um, are kind of these brothers in arms in this way. So it's like when when Rich Bledsoe talks about you know his the, all the pastors in this very liberal town how they're like you know these buddies in the foxhole. Um, it's very true. Uh, it's very true. So I think I think that's the kind of stuff that's happening. And, and how does it work out in terms of institutions and, and things like that? I I don't know. I don't know. I mean I think it things will be localized. Maybe I don't I don't know what will what will necessarily shake out from all of this, but 
it's very clear that, that things are happening um, and, and being torn apart in ways they're not going to be put back together. So well, and it makes me think, too, if, yeah. you know, um, Michael Foster Church in Ohio has done the County Before Country conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, or one thing we've yeah. got here in Alabama, we've got 1819 News, which is mm-hmm. great because basically they say, look, what happens in, say, Washington, D.C., or, you know, that's kind of out of reach. We, can, we may not be able to do a whole lot about that, but we can do something about our own state. So, let, you know, and, yeah. and local politics, state politics so often gets completely overlooked because everybody watches the 24-7 cable news channels that are only going to talk about what's happening in D.C. And, 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 and other places far away from here that we can do nothing about. So 1819 News, it's called 1819 because that's the year of Alabama statehood, but it's called 1819, you know, it's 1819 News. It's focused on what's going on in our state, helping to mobilize Christians to think about, okay, how can we... We're supposed to disciple the nations. What would it mean for us to disciple our state? You know, what if we start there? Uh, yeah, what, yeah. what would that look like? Yeah. We need uh, an 1858 so, news here in Minnesota. Well, there you go. That's so you do. You do. And, <laughs> yeah. and I can set you up with the people who can help make, yeah. make yeah. that happen. Yeah, I know some. I know some of the guys from 1819. And, and yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. so one, one, one last question for you. Somebody asked me this the other day, and I'll tell you what I said after I hear your answer. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's say that you could snap your fingers and change one thing about America right this moment. And it can't be something like, uh, you know, you snap your fingers and everybody bows the knee to Jesus right away. But just just one thing, you know, if you were going to change one one thing, what would it be? Oh, man, how much time do I have to think about this? Um, you got 10 seconds. 10, se- <laughs> ten seconds. Um, um, I think I would, I would, yeah, I would change um, the, maybe this is too broad or too, too magical, uh, but I, I would change the conditions that require um, both parents to work, right? Or, or, or at least the cultural right. expectation of, of both parents working. Um, I would I would you know change the conditions so that we can have households again. I think that would um, that would materially change a lot of. I mean, just look at like. Um, you know, politics in general, um, the breakdown, like you sometimes see these like electoral maps where it's like, all right, here's if only, you know, women yeah. voted and it's like all blue. Uh, but then it's like, here's only if mothers voted and it's like, boom, all red. Um, yeah. And so like, I mean, and that's one of the big, biggest factors in, in determining politics and, and things that change. And even like right now, there's a, um, uh, a huge swing. And I think it's because like they're really pushing um, – in these key elections, the trans stuff happening in schools, in in like suburban white suburban women had tradition. The last few cycles voted for Democrats, and now there's a shift, even in the last couple of days in the polling, to voting for the GOP candidates. So I, I mean, I think like, and it makes sense because you know once you have, yeah, it's it's the same thing. The question that we keep going back to of going back to reality, like do, do becoming you know, in touch with reality and leaving this kind of matrix that we we live in, is once women have a baby that they care for, or it, the world completely changes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the, it it's a completely they're not even in the same world anymore. Um, the the thing the interests the goals the the ends that they pursue are diametrically the opposite of what they were before. They had the. I mean, everybody. Yeah. We've, you know this with your wives. I mean, you, with all, all you know, the young ladies you've ever you know, known. When they become a mother, like their 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 personality, like everything everything is is different. Now they're a mom, um, and so and that and that affects you know politics. Now they're thinking about politics from the perspective of I have a little person I have to 
take care of. Um, how does this affect us? Rather than how does this thing you know, affect me? So right. um, identity and, politics and so, only yeah. works if people are function as isolated individuals, really, and yeah. then they latch yeah. on to some other group and then yeah. and then try to vote you know vote as a block. That no, yeah. your answer is great. Your answer is really really good. The 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 thought of living in a in a country in a culture where a husband's income would be enough to raise a family on comfortably that sounds really really appealing. And of course, we did once have that. But yeah. we have certainly lost. Yeah, your, your answer is really good. My answer, just for the record, yeah, I, uh, I gave it a really quick answer. They said, what would you change if you could change anything with this? Just snap your fingers, it changes. My answer was pornography would be criminalized. Mm. That was my answer. Mm. That's, that's Somehow my answer point. and your answer might even be related. I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe if my hap my thing happens, then then it would. You know, then we would. <laughs> I think you could solve. You're right. I think you could solve both years. I think you could solve both years if people just got married earlier. Uh, I think if that became too. culturally yeah. the norm, because because you can live on a, a couple of young people uh, without any kids yet can live on on beans. I mean, I, I I'm. Yeah, I can testify yeah. to that. Literally, we lived on beans sure. we did too. <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. And so you sort of you sort of you sort of learn how to to live a lot more frugally if you start early. I agree. Uh, like, you know, young. So. Absolutely. And pornography doesn't have as has big a allure when you've got a too. when you've got a wife. Very true. <laughs> Well, Andrew, well, this I, has I, been great. I, I, I don't know if Larson's got anything else for you. I really appreciate your book. You know, I told Larson, or I told somebody this the other day. I said, you know, the book reads like uh, it reads like a lot of sermons. I feel like I preached over the years. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's a lot of good, solid post millennial political theology put in this way that is that is aimed at inspiring people. Uh, to see the world differently and, and especially to act in the world differently. And I think that's what we need. So uh, I, I hope you. your work catches uh, catches on and, uh, you know, something I'm, I'm supportive of. I think that you uh, navigated the most, uh, you know, the, the biggest challenges that come against Christian nationalism from the culture, like it's racism or your threat to democracy or whatever the charge might be, which that threat to democracy one always gets me because it's like, we're, we're not a democracy. We're, we weren't created to be a democracy. The founding fathers yeah. hated democracy. So, but navigate really, really well. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I, I don't have anything to add. I mean, I'm, I, I feel like we could have another hour or two long conversation. So, um, so I'll just say that. But when's Boniface, uh, the Boniface option coming? Well, uh, sometime in 2023. I've got to get the, that second draft to them and continue moving the ball along the very slow road to publishing. Uh, and Andrew, is that book with Canon? Is that right? That's it is. Yeah, with Canon. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, I'm real excited about that. I put a, a lot of uh, work in, in, into it, and it's – you know, it's really a, um, it's it's an explanation of this this theme um, of uh, that we've we've been talking about is we the world that we we live in is a complete departure, uh, not just from the Christian faith but from reality as a whole, and how how should Christians uh, live in that world? What should we be doing? How should we right, be thinking? How right. should we be acting? Um, what what things should we be yeah. doing? You know, personally and, and corporately uh, to combat it. Uh, to fight back. Well, when the book is out and Lars and I have had a chance to read it, <laughs> we'll get you on here so we can yeah, talk about that. Exactly. Wonderful. You're wonderful. Totally. Totally. 
Well, thank you, sir, uh, sirs, I should say, and uh, thank you to the uh, to those of you who are tuned in uh, for for tuning into the God a Minute podcast. Uh, it's been a great time with Andrew. Andrew, where do people find you if they want to follow you? Your book is is called Christian Nationalism. It is, yeah, it's easiest to buy on Twitter, on Amazon, uh, yeah, on on Twitter at Boniface Option. Uh, same handle for for Gab. I post both of places uh, quite a bit. Um, and uh, I write, uh, I write for um, for Gab News, you know, pretty regularly as well. Um, so that's just news.gab.com. Uh, so you'll see stuff there. I have um, a review of Stephen Wolf's book coming out uh, today, uh, both his book and, and my review. So nice. um, there's a lot of uh, it, there, there's a lot there where it's like, oh man. I I, I told him I'm like I, I told I told Stephen I'm like, hey, is it okay if I just you know, take all the best parts and put them in this review? Kind of like a I don't want it to be like a movie trailer where it's like you feel like you watched the whole movie already, but uh, but I'm like, yeah, well, it's a 400 page long book, and I'm yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be okay. Where, Andrew, where is your review going to be published? Uh, at Gab News, so news.gab.com. Wonderful. Yep. yep. Good deal. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Well, thanks, thanks guys. It's been great, great conversation, and look forward to uh, to having you back, Andrew, when uh, when Boniface Options out. Um, and uh, thanks for tuning in. We uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Thanks, Larson. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs>